Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the Big Level Podcast. I hope you enjoy this message. If you want to find out more information about this podcast or our other resources, please visit BigLevelBaptist.com. As we sang the song, He Will Hold Me Fast, I, I couldn't help but to think of a, a child, a child who rests and trusts in their parents, a child or children who their confidence in the protection and the providence of their parents. I think about that child standing on a top bunk who is willing to jump off into their daddy's arms because their daddy said, I'm going to catch you. And there's no, no doubt, no question that daddy's going to catch that child and that baby jumps. And they know that that daddy will hold that baby tightly in his hands. He will hold him fast. That's unquestionable. That's faith. That's faith without doubt. We see that's the faith that we can have in the one who has purchased us and redeemed us. That's the type of faith that we can have in the one who, who created us and knit us together in the Father's womb. We know that our God will hold us fast and our confidence, our trust, our faith, without doubt, is in Christ alone. Our faith is in the one who gives us life. Our faith is in the one who sustains us. Brothers and sisters, no matter what you and I are going through, there's one person we know we can run to. There's one person we know we can hide in. There's one person we know that we can rest in. His name is the great I Am, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. When all else fails, we can place our faith and trust in the one who calls us his child. And he will hold us fast. If you have your copy of God's word with you this morning, and I hope that, that you do, let me invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to be in verse 9a, just the first part of verse 9 this morning. And we're continuing our series through the spiritual gifts. And the, the gift that we are focusing in on this morning is faith. And we're going to examine what faith is. And we're going to look at faith and, and, and seek to uh, grasp what does Paul mean when he says that some are given the gift of faith. Now, I, I want to be clear and, and remind us this morning of why we're walking through these spiritual gifts so slowly. Why not just preach one sermon and address all the gifts? It's because of this. These gifts are extremely important to the work and the ministry and the outreach and the mission of this church. Every single believer has been gifted by God to do the work of ministry. And whatever gifts God has given you, it is for the common good. It is to serve the church for the glory of God. 
Those who have the gift of knowledge and the gift of wisdom, which we talked about several weeks ago. Those, those are teaching gifts, and those are those who, who can grasp the meaning of the text and explain it in a certain way that people can understand it and apply it to their lives. And, and if you have the gift of teaching, let me encourage you, find a way to use that gift in the church today. But then you come to the gift of faith, and you ask, well, how can I use, if I have the gift of faith, how can I use that for the common good? And I'm glad you asked that, because we're going to examine that this morning. But before we do, we first need to understand what is faith. Well, let me begin with this. Faith that Paul is talking about here is not saving faith. Look with me at verse, we're going to begin in verse 4, but focus just on the first part of verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. Now remember, he says there's various gifts. There's different ways of using those gifts to serve the church. And there's different results. The results are faithfulness. The results are up to God, right? Our responsibility is to be faithful. We define our success in the gifts that God has given us is the faithfulness that we have in using those gifts for the glory of God. And then it goes on to, he goes on to say this. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. That's for others. To one is given a message of wisdom through the, through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith. By the same spirit, faith. Now, we realize and we know that faith here is, is the faith. Excuse me. We know that the spirit is the one who gives these gifts. right? And when it says the spirit gives faith, what does he mean? Well, as I said a minute ago, he is not talking about saving faith. Saving faith is available to every single person. There's not a person on planet earth for whom Jesus did not die for. And there's not a person on planet earth for whom God uh, is, is not willing to save. He's willing to give salvation to every single person who will believe in the name of Christ. So what do you mean, preacher? What I mean is this. You and I and all of humanity are dead in our sin, facing the eternal wrath of a holy God. God is perfect in every way. He created us in his image and for his glory. He created us to have relationship with him, but we, we mankind have chosen to sin and rebel against God. And because of our sin, because of your sin, apart from Jesus Christ, you will faith, face the eternal wrath of God. In a place called hell where there's forever fire, darkness, torture, and torment. And hear me, there's absolutely nothing you can do under the heavens in order to redeem and restore your own self into a right relationship with God. That is why you need saving faith. What is saving faith? It is a complete and total trust and dependence upon Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sin. 
You're not trusting in your church membership. You're not trusting in your works. You're not trusting in a family member's faith. You stand before God for yourself. And you are trusting that only in the work of Christ can you be forgiven. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Go to the right, just a few, a few, few books. You have 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, and then you hit Ephesians. And listen to what he says, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. He says, for you are saved. Now, now, sometimes we use these church words, but we make sure when we do evangelism to explain what these church words mean. What does it mean to be saved, right? Somebody who's without Jesus may say, well, I'm not lost. What do I need saving from? Well, to, to be saved means that you have been uh, redeemed and restored into a right relationship with God. He has, he has delivered you from his wrath. And he has welcomed you, restored you into a right relationship with him. He says, for you are saved then by grace, God giving you what you do not deserve, through faith, and, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not of works, so that no one can boast. So saving faith is trust and dependence upon, it's believing in who Jesus is and what he has accomplished. It's believing that Jesus is Christ, that he is God who died on the cross and rose again. And it's believing that salvation is found in him alone. Listen, there can be no saving faith apart. There can be no relationship with Jesus apart from saving faith. There can be no relationship with Christ. There can be no heaven. There can be no peace. There can be no joy. There can, be no, uh, there can be no contentment apart from faith in Christ alone. And this faith is available to all people. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. There's a word in that passage. I encourage you to go back and circle. It's the word whosoever. It's available to all people. We see it also in, in John three eighteen, where he says those who believe are not condemned but those who do not believe are condemned already. Circle that word already when you you're condemned already because you do not believe in the name of the one and only Son of God. That's what he says. You're condemned already because you do not believe in the name of the one and only Son of God. But then you go to 1 John chapter 2 and what does Scripture teach us? 1 and 2, that Jesus is our advocate who's gone before the Father on our behalf. He's appeased God's wrath. He's our propitiation, not only for our sins, but for the sins of the, soul, for, for the, sins of the entire world. So when he says, when he says that uh, salvation is available for all people, it's available for all people because Jesus died for all people. Brothers and sisters, that is extremely key in our doctrine of salvation. And this saving faith is for every man, woman, boy, and girl who will call upon Jesus as Lord and Savior. 
So when Paul says faith here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he is not talking about saving faith. That's available to all people. Maybe you're in this room today and you have not experienced saving faith. Maybe you lay your head down at night and you wonder if I pass on from this life to the next, where will I spend eternity? Maybe you have concern about what's to come after death. Listen, you don't have to worry about what's to come after death. For every person who believes in Jesus, there's a complete and total assurance that when you die, you will enter into the very presence of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the Great I Am. You can lay your head down at night in complete and total peace and assurance. You don't have to wonder or doubt. Not because of your work, friends, but because God, in his grace, sent Jesus to die in your place. He purchased you with his blood. And he's invited you into a relationship with him today. Some of you need to make a decision to follow after Jesus. Every person will leave here today making that decision. You will either leave here placing your faith in Christ if you have not done so already or you will leave here rejecting Jesus the offer by God has been given choose today who you will serve well if Paul is not talking about saving faith then what is Paul talking about when he says in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 12 to another faith by the same Spirit. Here he's talking about a trust, uh, confidence, belief that no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, God's in control. Here he's talking about no matter the circumstances of life, you trust in the promises of God. You trust in the, in the authority of God. You trust in the word of God. No matter what's going on around you, you trust that God is on his throne and he will work according to his will and for his glory. Listen to what Richard Pratt Jr., how he defines this gift of faith. He says, faith is the strong conviction that will move in one way or another in a specific circumstance. So his definition is that, that those who have the gift of faith, you trust that God is going to move. He's going to act in a certain way in a certain circumstance. Gordon Fee declares, he defines faith as probably referring to a supernatural conviction that God will reveal his power or mercy in a specific way, in a specific instance. He, he defines it that you're going through something in your life, you're trusting that God is going to reveal himself, not necessarily that God is going to answer your prayer the way you want it. It's not saying that God is your, your, your genie in a bottle or your magician that he He's going to make every wish you, you, grant, you, you ask come true. But that God is going to reveal himself. He's going to grant his mercy, his strength, that he's going to carry you through those difficult times. Anytime. Another author defines a spiritual gift as, of faith as this. The spiritual gift whereby, or the special gift whereby the Spirit provides Christians with extraordinary confidence in God's promises, 
power, and presence so they can take the heroic stand for the future of God's work in the church. When I read this, read this, this author's definition, I thought, about, I thought about Stephen. I love Stephen in Acts uh, 6, 7, uh, 8, who, who takes a heroic stand. Who's willing to go to a cross, who's willing to, to go and die for the faith, and he's able to stand trusting with complete and total confidence in who God is. Not in his own power, but in the power and the authority of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the Great I Am. Brothers and sisters, at the end of the day, Those who have the gift of faith, as one, another author says, exhibit a strong and unshakable confidence in God. A strong and unshakable confidence in God. Now, I've got to pause here, and I've got to make very, very clear that there are some who take who take faith and they build a doctrine that is not founded uh, in Scripture. It's called a, a word of faith or name it and claim it doctrine that if you believe it and you have enough faith, God's going to act the way you want. Listen, that is just not biblical. It's not biblical. That's like saying if you have enough faith, God's going to give you uh, a trillion dollars. As long as you believe it, as long as you pray for it, God's going to give it to you. That's not in Scripture. Oh, wait, what do you mean, preacher? Scripture says whatever you ask for, God's going to give you. Yes, but you go to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14 and 15, how does he preference that? Whatever you ask in accordance with his will. He'll give you whatever you've asked for. I think about the Apostle Paul, and I'll share this in a minute again, but Paul has a thorn in his side. And, and, and we can discuss and debate what that thorn is, but the point is, is this. It doesn't matter what the thorn is. Paul, who was a man of great faith, prayed three times for God to remove that thorn, and three times, what was God's answer? No. My grace, my grace is sufficient for you. Listen, we don't want God, truthfully, let's be honest with ourselves this morning. We don't want God to act in every way we ask him to act. You want to know why? My mind isn't comprehending everything about God, every, all of God's mind. I only see the here and the now. I want God to act in accordance with his will because he knows tomorrow and he knows next year. And he knows what's best. That's why Jesus says when you pray, your way you pray is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want God's will, brothers and sisters. It's okay to pray what, what you, what's on your heart. It's okay to pray what you're asking for. It's okay. But, but at the end of the day, we should say, God, this is my desire, but your will be done because your will and your plan is perfect, not mine. I trust you. So faith isn't saying, God, this is what I want. Do, do what I ask. This gift of faith is a complete and total confidence that God is. That's the best way I know how to define it. 
It's a complete and total trust that God is. He is. He's on his throne. He is sovereign. He's in control. Nothing in this world happens without it filtering through the fingertips of our God. It's trusting and having confidence in the midst of the fire that even if you don't make it out of the fire, God is going to carry you through. He's going to strengthen you and equip you and comfort you and guide you. Because God did not promise you and I a bed of roses, believer. He didn't promise us a best life on earth. He promised us heaven. And he said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. We're going to go through difficulties and trials in life. We're waiting for the day when we will spend eternity in a place of no more trial and no more pain and no more heartache. But until that day comes, we can trust that God is. No matter what we face, no matter what the circumstances. You say, preacher... I don't have this faith. That's okay. God gets everybody differently. And I'll talk, we'll talk in just a moment how you and I can grow in that faith. But you say, preacher, I, may, I think I do have this gift of faith that, that I just complete and total, total confidence in God no matter what. How do I serve the common good in the church? Hear me. We need you. We need you. Your brothers and sisters in Christ who are going through trials in their life, they need you to come beside them. Even though, you know, let's, let's, can, can, we, can we put down some walls real quick and just be completely honest? When we're going through the fire many times, we don't want somebody to come to us and say, it's going to be okay, God's got it. Sometimes that's just the last thing we want to hear. We know the answer. We know it's true in our mind. But sometimes we just don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear Romans 8, 28, that God works all things out to the good of those who love him and are called according to the purpose. You know why we don't want to hear that? Because we can't see where that good is. We can't see how that good is going to look and work itself out. It's hard for us to see in the midst of a fire. But even though we can't see it and may not want to hear it, listen to me, we need to hear it. We need our brothers and sisters who do have this gift of faith to come beside us and say, listen, God is on his throne. He is working all things out for his good. You can rest in the comfort and the peace and the trust of God. God's in control. If you have the gift of faith, brothers and sisters, your brothers and sisters in Christ need you to pick up a phone and give them a call, to send them a text message, an email, to encourage them, to let them know God is we need you. There's no gift more important than the other. And those with the gift of faith are just as important as those who serve in a ministry like this, standing behind a pulpit teaching or in a teaching class, in a Sunday school class. The teaching, those with the gift of faith may work behind the scenes, but you're just as important. We need you. So faith is not saving faith in this context. Faith is a complete and, total, complete and total trust and confidence in God. You say, preacher, but what if I just don't have that faith, that gift of faith? 
Does that mean I don't have to trust God? No, it's not what that means. Even if you think you don't have the gift of faith, brothers and sisters, you have been purchased and redeemed by the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the great I am. He knows you by name. He ha- you have an intimate, personal relationship with the one who, who took your sin and removed it as far as the east is from the west. You have a personal relationship with the one who calls you his child. You can still have faith and should have faith. You should still trust. But sometimes we have to work at growing in that faith. How do we grow then in this faith? Well, brothers and sisters, it starts with a personal, daily time with God. You see, we will never grow in our faith and our confidence in God if we're not meeting with him on a regular basis. It'll be hard to have confidence in in the one who knows us and sustains us if we're not spending time in his word and in prayer getting to know him. You have to ask, what does your daily time with God look like? You know, it's when we're When we're going through the fire, we need to be in a personal daily walk with God. But brothers and sisters, when we're not going through the fire, when we feel like things are going well, we still need to be in a personal daily time with God. You know why? Because God calls us to. And how can we ever grow in our relationship with Jesus if we are not daily spending time in prayer and in his word? We grow in faith when we open up the pages of scripture And we read it. I said it a few weeks ago. As we pursue knowledge, take 15 minutes every day. If you don't have a a daily uh, active time with God, commit to 15 minutes every single day to read your Bible. Highlight it. Seek to apply it and understand it and respond to it in your own daily life. Commit every day. Take five minutes. Set a timer. And for that five minutes, do nothing but pray. Share whatever's on your heart to God. Get still and get quiet before him. Sometimes what we need to do is not not speak. Sometimes we just need to be silent and rest before God so we can trust him. Journal. Journal your thoughts. Journal your, your prayers. Journal your concerns, your questions. Journal what God is teaching you in his word. You want to grow in your faith? Have a personal time with God. But but listen, and I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. But we shouldn't just have a personal time with God. We should also have corporate time with God. So what do you mean corporate time with God? If we're going to grow in our faith, if we're going to grow in our relationship with God, not only do we need to pursue Him individually, between us, with just us and God. We need to be active in the local church. Well, I know these are some unprecedented, and I'm sure you're getting sick and tired of hearing unprecedented times. I get it. I am too, right? And I know that, that right now it's hard for some, and, and, and I completely and totally understand to be active in the local church. But in a normal circumstance, we should be active and involved in the local church. 
We should be actively serving. We should be actively attending Sunday school and, and, and services and, and discipleship time. Because not only do we, do we grow individually one-on-one with God, but we need the accountability and the investment of others in our lives. Teaching us. Helping train us into the ways of Christ and the, and the word of God according to Matthew 28. And as we are actively involved in the local church and as we actively pursue God and we run in pursuit of Christ, listen, our, our relationship with Christ, and with Christ will grow and our faith, our faith will begin to grow. In those times when, when it is hard to see, we can trust His promises. We can trust that God is. Brothers and sisters, I pray that each and every one of you has saving faith. And today, if you've yet, and I'm not saying you've walked down an aisle, you've got baptized, you said a prayer. Listen, there will be many people who will stand before God one day. And they will say, God, didn't we walk down an aisle? And didn't we get our name on a church roll? And didn't we get baptized? And what he's going to say is, depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. I never knew you. Why is that, preacher? That's harsh. Aren't we just repeat this prayer and write in our Bible and we're safe with God? No. That's not what salvation looks like. Saving faith is coming before Jesus, not with our minds, but with our hearts surrendered to him as Lord, which is seen in a transformed life. Have you surrendered your life to Christ, believing in who Jesus is, repenting from your sins? Some of you need to do that today. Believers that have the gift of faith, will you commit today to use that gift to encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, God, God hasn't called just those in vocational ministry to do the work of the ministry. God has called every single born-again, blood-bought child of God to do the work of ministry, to care for and serve those in the local church. What, preacher? What do you mean? That's why we pay you. No. Ephesians chapter 4, God calls the pastor to equip the saints so the saints do the work of ministry. Not Dusty's words, not my interpretation. That's what Paul declares in Ephesians chapter 4. We all have been called to do the work of ministry. And we use our gifts to do that. Those with the gift of teaching, you do the work of the ministry by teaching. Those with the gift of faith, you serve for the common good, encouraging one another. Standing in the gap for others. For those that do not have the gift of faith, are you pursuing to grow in your faith? What does your time with God look like? Is it active? Are you running in pursuit of Jesus? Corporately and privately?